oh, we were going to snort. Oh, well, we were going to snort beer, but like soda. Oh, yeah, that's right. Actually, this is a here's a question for you. Have you ever heard of a beer snort? Uh... Right, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, welcome back to another installment of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, the show where you talk about your favorite album, and I try to get you drunk doing so. Uh, We have a very, very special episode this week. I know I say that every week. I feel like every single week I say, like, this is a really special episode. I'm really excited for this, blah, blah, blah. and I am, I do mean that. But this one in particular is really special. Uh, I have a very special guest today, Ricardo Morin. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, John. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very excited to speak about today's record. Today's record, yes. This is, uh, this is a great one, man. This is, uh, to give the audience a little uh, taste here, this is the only band that I have referenced in almost every single episode of this show. I've had this band itself as a buzzword. Uh, like, mention this band has been a buzzword in probably half of my episodes. Uh, that's something no other band can claim. Uh, and we've had some big bands talked about. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Amy Winehouse, Radiohead, uh, Def Leppard. But this band has them all beat. I think. Who are we talking about today? The one and only world famous, never to ever be forgotten, the Beatles. The Beatles. That's right. And we're not just talking about the Beatles because you picked a very particular album and you have a little bit of a hot take about this album, don't you? Yeah. So my album today is Magical Mystery Tour. There's a lot of interesting history on the album itself and whatnot, but um, this is my sleeper pick. I think this is the most underrated Beatles album out of all 13 full-length LPs that they have. Nice, man. I, uh, I, I got to admit, all cards face up, I spent a considerable amount of time with this album as my number one Beatles album as well, so I'm right there with you. Uh, but that's not to say I haven't come uh, armed with some uh, uh, information about other albums, perhaps. So uh, I'm going to make you work for it, man. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, let's, before we do that, shout out uh, Redefining Records. That is the music blog that makes this all possible. Uh, Mr. Andrew Schultze over there doing his pod, uh, Sounds for Thought. Uh, everybody, take out your phone, follow Redefining Records on Facebook. Wait, do they have a Facebook? I don't know. They're for sure on Instagram. Uh, follow them on Instagram. Uh, follow Schultze. Uh, follow this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Follow me. I'm Delta Dagger Music on Instagram. Uh, Ricardo, do you have any socials you want to shout out? Uh, sure. You could follow me on Instagram if you want. Uh, Pierce the Kiki. That's about oh, it. Yeah. I dig it, man. Um, all right. With that out of the way, let's jump into music news. All right, 
today in music news. Uh, on this day in 1979, uh, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, of course, this was written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins, and it would go on to win uh, Grammys for Song of the Year and then Record of the Year in 1980. Uh, this song is considered one of the defining genre-defining songs of the yacht rock genre. Uh, Ricardo, who do you think would win in a fight, Michael McDonald or Kenny Loggins? McDonald. Any day, dude. Nice. I feel it too, man. Um, I feel like he's a little bit of a sleeper himself. What a, have you, are you familiar with this song, What a Fool Believes? I'm sure I know it, but I would need, the, I would need some sounds. You would, you would absolutely recognize it. It's a great one. Uh, anyways, now that we know Michael McDonald would win that fight, um, let's talk about an even better band. Let's talk about the Beatles, dude. Uh, but first of all, we got to know who are you and why should we trust you? Cool. Cool. Um, I'm Ricardo. Just, uh, you know, I, uh, do music in my bedroom. Uh, yeah, I listen to a ton of music. I like everything. Music wise, play a few instruments, you know, write my own stuff. Uh, don't really share it, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just here to talk about the record. Uh, easily my favorite band um, of all time. You know, I have favorites that change every day, but I think the Beatles is a is the safest choice to say that this is my favorite band of all time. Um, so yeah, I don't think I'm very qualified to talk on them per se but i have a lot to say so um yeah that's pretty much it unqualified with a lot to say could characterize most <laughs> of this podcast so <laughs> you are right at home sir uh Sick. and in fact uh you're not just right at home but you are uh following in the footsteps of a former bandmate of yours did you know that chris sharma was on the program a while back yeah yeah i i, I heard his uh his spiel. Uh, I had a lot of fun listening to it. And like you said, the Beatles were mentioned in that podcast as well. That's so. right. That's actually right. Yeah. Milo Ackerman specifically mentions listening to Beatles tapes on his boat out at Catalina Island. So there you go. If you need any more uh, proof of these guys' influence, uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> you Seriously. and Chris, what, uh, how do you know Chris? Chris Sharma. Uh, he was the very first person I met in college, actually. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. What, uh, what, <laughs> what, what is the history there? <laughs> you know, we've, we, you know, we've made out and we've <laughs> s swam in the ocean and we used to be in a band called rabbit foot. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it was real though. I, it was, I mean, it's real in the hearts and minds of uh, at least several Isla Vista party goaters. Uh, I'll stop you too. Mention a band that you used to be in uh, is your first buzzword. So that is a drink for you, sir. Perfect. Um, perfect. <laughs> for those tuning in for the first time, uh, the buzzwords portion of the show, the way that works, uh, I have 20 buzzwords here these are words phrases tropes musical memes what have you uh written down on a nice little bingo card and uh throughout the show i'm going to be baiting ricardo into saying them uh if he says them he has to drink he does not know what these buzzwords are ahead of time 
Uh, but I will, however, cut now and let you guys at home hear what they are. Today's buzzwords are Say something is the best or greatest ever. Use an onomatopoeia. Mention your middle school music taste. Say the word experimental. Mention a specific type of guitar. Mention a specific type of guitar. Oh boy, why did I repeat that? Name a band you used to be in. Mention the Paul is Dead room. Say that something is ahead of its time. Mention pop. Say that something is cliche or overrated. Say the word drink. Mention the Beach Boys. Mention a Beatles solo project. Talk about jazz. Say mainstream. Mention George Martin. Use the word psychedelic. Talk about indie and recite lyrics. All right, welcome back. Those are the buzzwords for the week. Uh, again, Ricardo does not know those. Uh, you, dear listener, do. Um, Ricardo, I have to say too, Chris set a very high bar for you. He hit all 20 of these. So, you know, yeah, no, no was... pressure. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my best to uh, call out the baits, but I'm still down to get as many as possible. I think it'll, it'll, uh, it'll call for a good show. Yeah, I think it'll be fun, man. Um, well, sweet. There you go. Uh, I think that's all of the housekeeping and all of the setup we need, sir. Uh, remind us one more time what the album is and, uh, why don't you jump in and let us know why you picked it? Cool. My album for this show is Magical Mystery Tour by The Beatles, 1967. I chose it because I wanted to take an interesting take on The Beatles instead of just doing, you know, like my, my favorite record or the best record. Uh, I wanted to choose a record that often I think gets overlooked. Maybe some of the songs on the record are very popular, but overall, I never really hear people talking about this record. Um, yeah, I think it's a sick record that deserves some more, uh, some more listens. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, like I said, this this was for a long time my favorite Beatles record, so uh, I totally agree that this one is often overlooked, especially considering the two albums that kind of sandwich this one. Uh, in the Beatles lineup, right? It was uh, yeah. Sgt. Pepper's, uh, then this album, then the White Album. So it's, you know, it's it's hard to compete with those two. It's, it's super difficult. I mean, like, you know, everybody says Sgt. Pepper's is the best, and maybe I also agree, but... And then the White Album is just, I don't know, it's kind of messy, but there's just timeless songs on that record. And, and yeah, you know, with all the experimentation they were doing and pulling away from their little teeny bopper uh i don't want to say phase i just want to say like their claim to fame um yeah definitely this album is sandwiched in between two titans and uh maybe got shouted over a little bit agreed agreed um so so give us a little context then that's that's kind of some general context tell us a little bit about uh how the album came to be, how it was recorded, the concept behind it, wherever, wherever you want to start, basically, if you want to give us a little intro to the album. Cool. Yeah, so if, uh, if I know anything about it, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, the Beatles were like kind of back and forth between India and doing a bunch of other stuff. Um, they were done touring by now. Um, they wanted to focus on, you know, studio records more. And um, 
their manager, Brian Epstein, had just recently died. And uh, they were, they had like started the concept for Magical Mystery Tour very recently after Sgt. Pepper. And um, Paul was wanting to really lead the effort to make the record. And he wrote the opening tune, Magical Mystery Tour, uh, the title track. And um, it got thrown aside for a while until Epstein died. And uh, the band kind of came together and like, hey, maybe we should, you know, go back to this record and kind of finish it up. So it was a messy time, a tumultuous time for the Beatles. And it definitely shows a little bit on the record. Um, but yeah, just some some excellent songwriting. I guess I'll go uh, straight into that first track, if that's cool. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah, the opening track, Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, actually, Tour. wait. Sorry not to interrupt you, but I do have <laughs> go, to stop go, go. Uh Talk about India is one of the buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> do, do that drink and then yes i want to hear about the first track nice that's a good buzzword um yeah magical mystery tour so it was uh written by paul um for beatles for maybe people who don't listen to the beatles that much the entire discography you can really hear a song written by paul and a song written by john um they're just like so characteristic to their own songwriting. Um, so yeah, this is a Paul song and it just opens with this timeless Beatles harmony. Like, you know, all the Beatles are like, uh, roll up on a mystery tour. You can, and their voice just melt together so beautifully. Um, I, I've always loved that opening track. Even as a kid, the song is kind of weird, but I always liked that song as a kid. Uh, just a giant production the horns and the strings and the um i guess the the reverse tapes kind of come later on some of the tracks but i i also really like how they're like they roll their r's in the song um i don't know if they're imitating spanish or some other language uh maybe french or something but yeah it's just a fun super fun track that's interesting i'd never uh like consciously noticed that rolled r but now you say it now that you say it i totally i totally hear that and it's uh yeah it, it does give it that slightly exotic flair like uh you know not even specifically from anywhere but just kind of something a little bit alien uh, almost uh what what what's the song where they uh they like speak it's like this mishmash of spanish and italian and french and it's just it's on uh like, yeah like sun king i think yeah sun king on abbey road yeah 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 they they just kind of use this mismatch of of essentially nonsense almost a similar vibe um i'm gonna say though recite lyrics is one of the buzzwords <laughs> perfect i knew i knew it i knew it i had to do it though i know man some of these are are just absolute landmines in your path some of them i i will have to steer you bait you a little bit but <laughs> some of them are gimmies sweet but yeah it's uh to your point, it's 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 this kind of exotic out there track. It is definitely a Paul number, but uh I think it is kind of the perfect track to open the album with. You know, it's the title track and it gives you this kind of uh setup uh for the rest of the album. I don't know if you would consider this one a concept album, do you? No, that's one of my main points about the album too, is um you know, like after Sgt. Pepper, I think everybody had all eyes on the Beatles about uh, concept albums. And, you know, the, I mean, they they created the concept album. Like, am, am I wrong to say that? 
Well, there might be one other band that maybe created it first. Because the Beatles, well, it depends if you want to call like Revolver a concept album. Because I know there were, uh, there was at least one person here in the U.S. who listened to Revolver and then decided to make a concept album. Who is this? Um, wouldn't it be nice if we <laughs> were older? <laughs> You're trying to bait me into this one, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Beach Boys. Mention the, the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys as a buzzword. <laughs> Couldn't get you on that one, but yes, uh, the mention the Beach Boys was one. You 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 called that one out. Um, <laughs> Poor Brian yeah, I, Wilson. I, I would say I would say like Brian Wilson would tell you that the Beatles invented the concept album for sure. Although yeah. there's also, um, have you ever heard of the Frank Sinatra album in the Wee Small Hours? I know it by name, but I couldn't name a single track from it. It's there are a couple, I. Some of his big ones are from there. I I can't remember exactly what's on it. It's stuff from like the American songbook. Um, So it's not really original music, but it's all meant to fit this theme or a concept. It's kind of a light concept album in a very general sense. And some people cite that as the first concept album. I don't know. Anyways, uh, back on topic here. (laughs) No, Uh, I love that. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's an issue. I'm like you. I haven't actually listened to it. I've been meaning to. But that's one that I heard as like a kind of an early concept album. Um, this one too, it's, it's an interesting track, uh, magical mystery tour, um, because it is very fantastic and out there and it serves as a great intro. And then there's kind of this weird outro to the song. What, what is that like? Let me picture the outro. Um, time to take it away. Take you today. Oh yeah. It's like ding, 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 the little like rolling line. Um, you know, I never thought too much of it. It's got the piano accompaniment too. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I just I just like grew up listening to it, so it didn't really stand out to me as super crazy. Uh, did right. you have something you wanted to mention about it? Um, well, I was trying to bait you a little bit into a buzzword. I think I'll get you on it later, though. Um, but it, I think, I think that's a, re- <laughs> I think it's a really cool little moment, and it it speaks so much to like what the rest of the album is going to be like. I feel like where it's you know. 90% of the song is this and then there's this just like random outro that's kind of a totally different style and totally different vibe and it's just tacked on there but it like makes sense like it totally works kind of like you said it it doesn't necessarily strike you upon first listen as something weird but like if you're actually really analyzing the song it's like now what is this what what is this motif like where 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 are they going with this and then it just fades out and it's just like yeah huh. like and it, i i see that a lot you mentioned this album is a little bit messy and i agree with you but i i think it really works at times you know these kind of half developed ideas that they just throw in there and just well here's this see ya next song like you know <laughs> yeah it's kind of cool 100 percent. um going on that specifically like there's some of the songs uh, there's many songs throughout the beatles catalog but there's a few songs on here that are, you know, half Paul, half John, like they literally combined two unfinished songs. And those are some of their most shining moments, despite, you know, all the like controversy that people talk about in the the feud between John and Paul and not getting along so much towards the end of the years. But um, yeah, I think those moments are, are some of their most beautiful and why I love them so much. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. Like it's, it's, you know john and paul in their own right are 
incredible songwriters. I mean, you look at those guys' uh, solo catalog, uh, oh and and you know, even even if the Beatles had never existed and their solo careers had somehow still taken off, right? Uh, they would still be considered some of the greatest songwriters of all time, right? They'd be like Elton John, essentially. Just you know, Elton John is known as Elton John. Paul McCartney would have just been known as Paul McCartney and and John Lennon. You know, same thing. Yeah. Uh, so to have those two guys in the same band, it's uh, a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah, it's pretty stupid, man. It's pretty sick. Yeah. And then, of course, on this record, we do start to hear uh, Mr. George Harrison's uh, songwriting really take off. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, one of his, uh, yeah, one of his bigger intros to the having having songs on the Beatles records. Um, Blue Jay Way, that's that's him, all him, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, that's re- a really like unknown Beatles song, though. Um, what other what other song really shows off his? His prowess yeah i mean blue jay way of course is the one that was penned by him i was gonna say too like all you need is love uh he gets a guitar solo on that one which is super rare um For sure yeah there there are a couple ones on here i think he was pretty involved with flying if i'm not mistaken too um at least in like the kind of some of the guitar parts and things on that i, I think he was fairly involved in that yeah um Flying is actually the first song to credit all four members uh, as contributors. Fun fact. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know I that. that was pretty cool. Interesting. Uh, so know. they have Ringo on there. Yeah, they have Mr. Starkey on there. Mr. Starkey, that's right, dude. Well, let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's jump into Fool on the Hill, song yes. number two, and then we'll hit Flying and Blue Jay Way. Um, so Fool on the Hill. This one to me is another. Paul McCartney, uh, it's so obviously a Paul song to me, right? Is that how you feel? Couldn't say anything more true. <laughs> Describe the soundscape of this one. If the, if the listeners have have yet to listen to this album and and maybe need some motivation, what what does this one sound like? Sure, um, you know, just beautiful melodies. That's like the most important part. Paul is just like the melody god. Um, flawless song flow from chorus to verse to whatever other part of the song you want to call it. Uh, top-notch lyricism, you know. Or, or, well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at lyricism. But he's got really sweet, really sad, like very blatant lyricism, which which I like. Um, the flutes, the pianos, just this beautiful, overwhelming orchestration. And um, yeah, it's just a song that could easily bring you to tears and um, that I think anybody could really relate to at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Being the kind of misunderstood uh, man in a world that you didn't ask for kind of thing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's simple. It uh, has this kind of bucolic vibe to it. And it's uh, something interesting I, I pick up on it is, is it introduces this theme um, uh, you could maybe argue that it was introduced in the first song too, but it introduces this theme that I, I do hear somewhat throughout the album. And it's maybe the one argument I have that this is somewhat of a concept album. Uh, it introduces this theme of like, um, things are, things are not what they seem. There's like more than meets the eye kind of thing. Okay. Cause it's, he's this fool, right? 
everyone yeah. looks at him as a fool, but he's actually very wise. And the kind of counter melody during the chorus is a little bit sinister. It kind of has this chromatic thing, and it's a little bit dissonant compared to the very sort of sublime verse. And that's the part where Paul kind of reveals, well, there's more to this fool than meets the eye. And it's 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 interesting. It's something that I noticed. Um, it was actually on this most recent listen. I've listened to this album so many times. And on this listen through, I kind of started picking up on this little theme of like, there's something just below the surface here that that uh, you might not realize. And it's it's just interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I picked it up throughout. but. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about the like there's a really strong chord change like right when he intros the the chorus, you know. Um you have to listen to it to know what I'm speaking about, but uh it is very dissonant and um yeah, almost evil to a degree maybe. Um Yeah, I like that take. Yeah, it's it's something We'll bring up maybe more throughout here. Um, but ultimately, yeah, super cool song. Very Paul. I like what you said. You know, Paul's lyrics are often very simple, but there's a certain genius to it. It's like you hear a Paul lyric, like he starts the couplet and the way he ends it is like, it seems so obvious and it's so like, there is absolutely nothing else he could have said there, right? Like it's so perfect yeah. and it comes across as simple. But when you actually sit down and try to write lyrics of your own, it's like, wow, how do I make this line flow? How do I finish this? How do I? So it's like, it's yeah, like, like his, his lyrics are genius. It's like part of the genius is how effortless it sounds, you know? Yeah. Like he never really sounds like a cringe God. Like he's just, <laughs> he's just Paul. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. None of us know. Yeah. Agreed. Um, next track. Uh, super unique one in the Beatles catalog. Maybe their only instrumental. Is it their only instrumental? Um, uh, I mean, it, if so, if you're gonna talk about like, I I don't know, because I kind of lump this song into because this song was like a a movie soundtrack, right? Part of the movie soundtrack for. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. okay. Quick aside, that's maybe the the if we're gonna call it a concept album, this is a movie soundtrack. So it's a little 100%. bit of a <laughs> yeah. That's that actually bears some mention. Uh, let's talk about this song, and then maybe yes. we'll we'll talk about the movie real quick. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. A little brief about the song, and then and then we can yeah. So yeah, flying is cool. I think it's like a nasty little groove. Like if you really just like sit down and listen to it, like kind of just like bopping around. I think it's pretty dope. Uh, it's it's got the uh like the really like big reverse mastering on there where they like, you know, chop up the tapes and play them backwards and this is like, you know, you got a picture, you got a picture of the scene. It's 1967, you know. These guys are recording on four track tapes and and this is like this is this is groundbreaking stuff. Um again, please tell me if I'm wrong, but that's that's the way that I know it to be. No, that's absolutely right, dude. They recorded this on four-track reel-to-reel tape machines. And like the, the backwards effects and all those jumbled sounds, like as uh, like that that's really familiar to us now. You hear it in a lot of music nowadays. Well, not yeah. a lot of music, but it's it's been done, it's been heard. That was pretty groundbreaking at the time. That all had to be done like you said, it was literally chopped up. Like they had to go through with 
an exacto knife or a pair of scissors and literally chop up these pieces of tape and then put them together to make these loops and these these weird things it's totally analog totally uh you know done by hand they're not just in you know logic you know right click reverse sound file drag and drop repeat like you know what i mean like it's yeah (laughs) stuff that's so uh it's so easy to do now and even now though like you hear people do it and it's like not quite as effective as the beatles doing it by hand right (laughs) yeah totally agree and and then you also have to take into account like just how quickly these guys pumped out these records like uh and 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 just the quality of music and lyricism and production like these guys are just fucking insane well that's probably due in no small part to the fifth beatle right oh yeah i i I know his name (laughs) what's his name mr george martin George, <laughs> Sir George Martin, that is a buzzword. <laughs> you knew yeah, it. You a, knew that was a buzzword. <laughs> oh yeah, Duke. I sniffed that one from a mile away. Oh, that's, um, yeah. You you already know, but yes, Mr. George Martin, a uh, huge part of of the Beatles sound, and then um, he actually stuck around with Paul after he left the Beatles. Did you know that? I th- I think I did, but I it wasn't something that I would mention on my own. Sure, sure. It's uh, have you listened to any of Paul's solo stuff, dude? I'm a big fan. Um, I know you and I have some history talking about um, what's the damn song from Wings? Um, it'll come to me. I'll come back. Something uh, about we'll the moon. Mention, Facing uh, the moon. Men- oh, oh, Jet. Was your father? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jet. That uh, for a while was actually I considered that the greatest song ever written. So I could uh, I could agree, but I think uh, I think um, uh, Beyond the Sea, Bobby Darren, that's probably the best song ever written. Maybe. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Strong contender. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. Uh, mention a Beatles solo project is one of the buzzwords. Perfect. <laughs> The best Beatles solo oh, project. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm a I'm a big Wings fan personally. I, although I've never sat down and listened to uh like George's stuff. Like I know um All Things Must Pass is considered like a one of the greatest albums of all time, and I've I've never listened to that whole album. So, dude, definitely do it sometime, man. I think you'll love it. Really? Yeah, it's a great one. Um, I don't want to get too into it because. I think we got a lot to cover here, but yes, um, I'm a big fan of all the solo work. It's all really, really good. Nice. I Even Ringo. It. Even Ringo, man. He's dude. Ringo's still killing it, man. Ringo, Ringo's been doing a great job. He's dope. He's really dope. He seems like a great guy. I would definitely love to chill with him and like, you know, like trip or something and go like play baseball. He seems like. Like him versus Paul, I feel like he would be way more the guy to do that with. I feel like Paul would be a bit much. Like Paul's a little too Paul, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> which, which is, yeah, that's, dude, there's so much, there's so much I could go into. Like, I don't even, I don't even want to start, man. This right. is okay. like the hugest rabbit hole. <laughs> that's, that's true. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's move on then. I, <laughs> it's it's refreshing uh, uh, talking to another like big Beatles fan though so I appreciate right. it right 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you too. Um, all right. So flying, I think maybe the only Beatles instrumental, except unless you want to call revolution number nine, an instrumental, you could maybe call that, that one. Yeah. Like yellow um, submarine stuff, but you know, yeah. So it's, it's very odd for the Beatles to throw out an instrumental, but very cool of them. And yeah, definitely due to the movie soundtrack nature. Um, Dude, let's jump into Blue Jay Way. We've we've touched on it a little bit. Tell me about this song. Paint a picture for me. Soundscape. Whatever you want to say about it. Yeah, Blue Jay Way. Uh, very dissonant, very creepy song at first. I remember skipping this one as a kid because I was scared. Um, just, a, yeah, Harrison track. You know, we already mentioned India. Harrison was like the one who's most indulgent in india and meditation and all the stuff that he learned from eastern music and and culture and stuff and this uh i think this is one of the first songs to really start actually well tomorrow never knows on revolver does that even better i think or is that on rubber soul doesn't matter i yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's it's just a song about him waiting for some guy he was staying at some house in la and he was like jet lagged flying in from london and he started like writing this song he's like drifting off to sleep but trying to stay awake and and uh, i think it really captures in the music his uh his efforts to write that too right it, it totally works um super dig the reference to la in a beatles song like yeah like, opening line when, when you think about like okay, what's a band from the 60s who was psychedelic and sang about L.A., like uh, The Doors? Well, what about The Beatles? Like, what about Blue Jay Way? Bam. So love it. And then um, yeah, the, the dreamy kind of nature of this song, um, again, like thematically with the rest of the album, it kind of represents that like you know you're you're in a dream right like if you want to skip ahead to uh strawberry fields right let me take you down to strawberry fields nothing is real it's like you kind of get that vibe here too and again it's to me this little theme i've spotted of of like you know nothing is as it seems like maybe a normal day to you uh doing mundane things maybe you're 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 just dreaming like maybe you're you know, like it's it's this trippy kind of like maybe there's a deeper level to things. Um, it's, yeah, it's just yeah, totally, dude. Um, and I love that because I never picked up on that too much. But I, along with Strawberry Fields, maybe even a little bit of Fool on the Hill. Um, you know, I and the Walrus could just be that totally like tripped out dream that you have, just random nonsense flying around everywhere. Um, super trippy. And I, I like that you mentioned that too, because um, you, you said you wanted to talk about the, the film Magical Mystery Tour that this record is supposed to be music for. Um, the film, I'm pretty sure the concept behind the film is that it's supposed to be like a bunch of just random people getting on a bus and like it just covers their like wacky little adventures that they have or something like that. Um, just like supposed to be a really like dreamy, interesting, random um, concept of some sort. Yeah, I've I've never seen the film, but I I did read briefly that it was like they didn't even like write a script. They all just kind of like showed up to shoot it, and Paul was just kind of like, 
oh, let's do this. Like, let's all just like it was very just kind of like improvised. Yeah. Is what I had I had read. So that kind of makes sense that it's this kind of dreamy, like nonsensical uh, kind of experience. It's interesting. Um, another thing about Blue Jay Way that the dreamy vibe, I if you'll indulge me and allow me to jump into a little bit of music theory here. Please uh, <laughs> enlighten us, master. Uh, George is using the Lydian mode here. Uh, which means instead of starting on the first chord in a key, he's starting on the fourth chord in the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if a song is in C major, uh, you 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 know the C major chord is the one that you kind of emphasize, right? But uh, the fourth chord in the key is the one that he's emphasizing here instead of the one chord, which puts it in the Lydian mode. Uh, and the funky thing about the Lydian mode is it's it's major sounding, like it has a major third in it. Cool. Uh, so it it sounds it sounds like you're in the correct key kind of right it sounds correct uh but because you're not hitting the one chord it gives it this floaty unresolved feel so it sounds correct but like your brain never gets the release of like resolving to the one chord right okay uh so it contributes to the dreamy floaty nature and again kind of things aren't what they seem this sounds major it sounds correct but it's kind of off uh i notice too uh right before the chorus you know for instance um when he sings like uh soon will be the break of day sitting here in blue jay way um when he hits that soon will be the break of day it sounds like they're using a minor seven flat five chord kind of complicated mm-hmm. it's a, a a chord in the key that's typically never used because it sounds weird uh but he uses it here and Fuck sings yeah. a melody over it um so it's very weird sounding um he's filthy man he's a filthy boy he's he's disgusting man but so beautiful <laughs> um i'll note too i noticed some pretty heavy excuse me some pretty heavy flanging on the drums and organ. Um, the, the Beatles are credited with inventing the flange effect. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, 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 yes. It, it, do you want to explain for the listeners what, what flanging is and how it was kind of discovered? Dude, I think you could do that better than me. All I know is that flanging is like, uh, it, like they put it on uh, John's voice a lot to give him that like really nasally quality, but please yeah. give a, uh, please give us a better, a better interpretation than I can. Yeah. It's just real quick. Flanging is, uh, that kind of like whooshing effect. Yeah. You'll hear it on John's vocals, uh, on this track, you'll hear it on the bass and drum or the bass drums and organ, that kind of whooshing effect. And it's, they they record say the drums and they have that on a tape and then they copy it over to a second tape and they actually have two tape machines playing the exact same track at the exact same time uh and then you take your thumb and put it on the flange of one of the tape reels and it slows huh. it down just ever so slightly so that the two tracks are now no longer quite in sync one of them is just slightly off and some of the frequencies begin to cancel each other out and so you get this rolling, whooshing effect. That's what it is. Damn. That's so fucking gnarly, dude. <laughs> uh, 
and then they invented effects pedals stomp boxes that could do it and it appeared on every song in the 1980s and now everybody hates it so there you go (laughs) yeah (laughs) dude and like something that i was thinking about when you were talking about uh lydian mode and george doing all this awesome stuff is that like the beatles were a couple of just like rough kids from liverpool you know or just from england in general and like you know they didn't they didn't really have any music theory training or any like music schooling they just they just fucking got their sticks and started wanging on them and and like uh, i know a lot of people you know we'll talk about like the stones and stuff and like i'm pretty sure the the stones were like these fancy music school art school kids that like you know i don't know i think the beatles are sick because they just they just like did some nasty shit and and it's really good they did man they were they had the instinct you know they stumble upon all these kind of interesting musical concepts like you know how did george know to use the lydian mode to create a dreamy mood and how did he know to uh, use the seventh chord a minor seven flat five to uh create dissonance right before resolving to the one chord how did he know to do that yeah uh he had a really good ear he was george harrison like that's how like you know (laughs) like yeah that's it like he these guys were just really good at what they do and had honed their craft so much um it's it's incredible man like like I'll say, man, like people say the Beatles are overrated. I think they pretty much get the uh the hype that they deserve. Like I, I'm I I love the Beatles. So Yeah, I'm on the same boat, man. That it just just can't beat them. Like, sorry, sorry, Chris Sharma and, and his gang of merry pranksters. I, Chris yes, Sharma's the... not a Beatles fan. <laughs> That's right. That's what he was saying. He yeah, he, he mentioned that he hated the Beatles. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's yeah. all right though. Um dude, let's jump into um your mother should know. Oh uh, such an earworm. Yes. It it really is. Three guesses who wrote this one, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh I think I caught you singing this one as I was joining the pod. I you're actually right. I was 100% singing this uh just idly because it's it's so you're right. It's an earworm. It's a classic Paul McCartney just you can't help but sing it, you know? And it's it's not even to me it's not even one of the standouts on the record, but uh it's still just so good. I don't know. It's a it's a great song. There's a he borrows from a different key at one point to give it this sense of motion and it's just classic McCartney shit. Mm-hmm. Although the thing is, is to me, it almost doesn't fit on the album. What do you think about that? Yes. Yeah, so that's part of the messy thing I was mentioning at the start of the pod. Um, this song is definitely an outlier. Um, but that's also why going back to like the main argument I'm slightly trying to make is that uh, you know this is just a great example of Paul McCartney's amazing songwriting and uh just i think also a totally underrated song you said that uh i never mind actually yeah i the song is excellent it it starts with this really uh i don't don't know it's kind of hard to catch maybe maybe i was looking into a little bit too much but right at the open you know he opens with the it's like it opens with a little like pre-intro um right when he starts let's all get up there's like two little like lone bass notes right at the start like this weird pause and then the bass line comes in super cool just like 
you know, typical like Beatles shit, like we're just doing random stuff that we like and, and just revol- revolutionizing music with every track they release pretty much. Um, what else? Oh, I really loved the Lennon backing vocals. They're really like simple and you, you can like almost hear that Lennon doesn't really give a shit about this song. I'm pretty sure he like talks shit a lot on this song. Um, as just like another, you know, like ditzy little Paul song. He really didn't like Paul's ballads and stuff. Um, but still, I, I think it's a double tracked Lennon uh, vocal harmony in the back. And it's, um, you know, Paul says, your mother should know. And John goes, yeah, mother. Yeah, just yeah. timeless, dude. Timeless. So good, dude. Um, I'm going to hit you real quick. Uh, use an onomatopoeia is a buzzword. So, you nice. know, that baseline onomatopoeia. That oh, is yeah. One. Um, super interesting one, too. He, I actually, uh, right before the show, I was re-listening to the album, and I, I had to pause it and look up the chords to this song because I mm. wanted to figure out what Paul was doing. And, and I think the song is in C major, but they start on an A minor, which is the relative minor. And then they, they wind up resolving to the C during the chorus, but they also throw in this, uh, what was it, like a D dominant seven or no, a, an A dominant seven. So they start on an A minor and then during the verse, he hits an A dominant seven. So it's not in the key. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be like in the key of D major. Uh, so like a full step higher than C major, which is what they eventually resolve to. And it, I believe it's just the one chord that gets borrowed and the E dominant seven gets borrowed kind of a harmonic minor thing um but he he borrows this a dominant seven and it's just this one moment but it gives the song such a sense of like movement yeah right and it's it's like this really simple paul song and yet it's not just you know four chords like it has this little bit of complexity and this movement to it um it it was just really cool to me i don't know i really like that yeah i love the song man i think it's a i think it's a hit I, i know um Paul has a lot of like interviews where he talks about songs that he really loved that never made it big. Um, one of his songs, particularly Waterfalls, it's on like McCartney Two or something. Uh, solo Beatle, uh, Paul solo record. I'm pretty sure this is one of them that he mentions as like one that he really really loved, but uh, didn't really garner too much attention. Yeah, this is a this is a great one, man. This one I'll say has grown on me uh, Sick. over time. I really like it. Although, let me ask you this, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to save this question for another song. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we're we're going to get into this later. We have some more buildup for this, I think. Okay. Um, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry to get your hopes up there. We'll, we will talk about this, though. Um, no, that's track. cool. That's cool. <laughs> yes. Next track. Big old banger off of this record. Fuck yeah. Uh, one of the signature Beatles songs. You know, if you were to give someone a history of the Beatles in five songs this would probably be one of them uh surely i am the walrus tell me about i am the walrus oh my god there's so much to say (laughs) uh i have a little notepad and i literally just have lennon written down like this this song is just absolutely john lennon for people who when i was talking about in the beginning like there's paul songs there's john songs this is 1000 percent john song um yeah, Ringo's got a filthy opening on the drums. It's like, I mean, Ringo's simple. You know, a lot of people call his drumming very simple, but I think it's so effective. And just watching him play too, if you see videos of him playing, like 
his play style is just I, I I don't know too much about drums, but like the way he holds the sticks and and he like flings his right hand across to the cymbal or something. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, John. I've I've heard this. I'm I'm not a drummer, but I I had heard that he like he like leads with his wrong hand or something, yeah. or like maybe he he puts his snare on the wrong side or something like that, or he begins his his. Uh, fills with the wrong hand something like that he's he's like backwards in some way like there's some part of his kit or part of his style that is the wrong way uh but he sends it and i think you're so right dude ringo catches so much shit for being oh ringo star haha like the 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 (laughs) beetle that they hired because like they didn't think he would steal girls from them haha like you know people (laughs) people love to shit all over ringo and ringo's a good drummer man like you're right he's very simple but like he doesn't have a single like bad fill or like out of place fill. Um, and you could look, man, like is George Harrison freaking Jimi Hendrix? No, not even close. Uh, like is is Paul Jaco Pistorius? Fuck no. Is is John, you know, same thing, Jimi Hendrix or or Elton John? Or, no, I, I mean, songwriting. Yes. But like none of these guys are virtuosos, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're good, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's so much feel. It's just like all about feel. Yeah, they're they're the Beatles are definitely greater than the sum of their parts. Like people talk about, like, you know, what what would the ultimate super group be? Like, you know, uh, uh, Neil Peart on drums with Jimi Hendrix on guitar and Jaco Pistorius on bass and and Axl Rose as the singer. It's like, dude, that band would fucking suck, man. Like, what what are you talking about? Like, that would be so terrible. Like, what? That yeah, um, that's fucking trash. Whereas the Beatles, like, you would never look at any of those guys and be like, dude, he shreds his instrument. Oh, he's super group, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that John Lennon and Paul McCartney were two songwriters in the same band, it like it was a super group. Like retroactively, you could call it a super group, you know? Agreed. 100%. Um, but dude, yeah, John Lennon, I'm the Walrus. What what does this one sound like? This song is just so haphazard, I think is a good word. Um, the orchestration for this song is so beautiful. Like it's crazy, you know. It's it's balls to the wall, but it's fucking dope. There's so many sounds captured in this song. It's literally unreal. Um, there's a there's a specific transition in this song that I really love. Um, you know, the chorus comes in, I am the Eggman, woo. Uh, I am the walrus, cuckoo, cuckoo. And then it like, it like messes up. The tape kind of like goes crazy. And then it it simmers down into this beautiful string arrangement. And then um, then he goes into sitting in an English garden waiting for the sun. Uh, you, yeah. Right. You know this part I'm talking about. I absolutely know what you're talking about. It it Dude. it's like the it everything kind of tightens up, and yeah, it's the big orchestra with again kind of this eastern sound. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, everything kind of tightens up, and you get this moment of clarity almost in the song that's mostly nonsense. This is kind of the one coherent part almost. Yes. So cool, dude goosebumps literally just just like the way you described it and hearing it in my head yeah this stuff is next level like amazing amazing i love it 
uh, th- this song also has like references to other Beatles songs. He talks about like see how they fly like Lucy in the sky, you know, like some fucking Shakespeare shit. Um, yeah, he like John wrote I'm, the I'm, song. Yeah, go 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 go. I was gonna say I'm impressed. You caught the the Shakespeare in there. Yeah. Uh huh. Thank you. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> well, i i wouldn't i wouldn't have i wouldn't have you i wouldn't have you on if you were man this is you know we <laughs> this is uh i this is great man what continue though john wrote it uh yeah continue <laughs> i'm just i'm just fucking with you man don't worry about it. <laughs> also like uh this is for the viewers i i told john when i came on the show that i i did i genuinely don't drink anymore like zero recreation like casual nothing um but i was like you know what for the show like i'll have a small glass of wine and uh i'll be honest i'm feeling it even just off like what five buzzwords yeah i think you're at five right now um one two three yeah five um dude that's that's sick and i appreciate you uh breaking your your uh streak to do this i was I was saying too, if there's any listeners who want to come on, but you don't want to drink, me and Ricardo had brainstormed a couple non-alcoholic options for this. So you know, we they're out there. We we could maybe do it. We were thinking what we were going to take shots of pickle juice with hot sauce in them. Uh, I thought we were going to snort the pickle juice. Oh, we were going to snort. Oh, well, we were going to snort beer, but like soda. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Actually, (laughs) this is a here's a question for you. Have you ever heard of a beer snort? Uh no, dude. Like, have I've you heard, heard of that as like a a thing. Like you, like people do that. No, that sounds fucking rancid. I I have heard of a gutter shot where you fucking pour beer down the gutter and and like catch it while it travels downstream. Oh, you put your face in the gutter. Yeah, and you like pour beer from like That's... a higher point. That kind of <laughs> like is in the same vein. Maybe I don't know. That's pretty rancid. I, cause here's my confusion is I was, I was hanging out with some of my old UCSB friends recently and I was like doing beer snorts and I, like, I thought that was a UCSB thing. No, <laughs> I was like, like I, I told, I was told someone like, Oh, well, if you don't do this, like you have to do a beer snort. It was like a, like a, would you rather, or like some kind of an odds thing. I don't know. It was like, well, you're going to have to do a beer snort. And then everybody was like, what's a beer snort. And I was like, no way. Like you guys for sure. Know. Like. I thought it was like a UCSB thing, but I guess it's not. I don't. Dude. I've I've asked multiple groups of UCSB people now of like, you guys know what a beer snort is, right? And everybody's like, no, <laughs> what? Like, Damn, so, dude. Uh, did you join a frat or something without us knowing? No. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know. The other one too that I'm really confused about. Do you know how to chase with air? Jesus, no. <laughs> oh, dude this is another one no one has heard of this i i'm so i don't know where i learned all this shit from i Holy thought it was shit, like a man. ucsb yeah. thing but damn all right anyways a lot uh, of time i guess i did man i i'm gonna figure it out one day where i where i heard all that crap <laughs> i bless you on your mission <laughs> thank you man i'm gonna travel to india and meet ravi shankar and see if maybe he knows how to do it Dude, pivot it to Maharishi too. Just uh, cover your private parts. Yeah. <laughs> um. Jeez. <Oof>. Um. 
anyways, so I'm a walrus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, super, super cool one. Um, total John song, which is cool because it immediately follows a total Paul song. And yeah, this this might be the first like big John song on the record, right? Like you kind of get a nice taste of, you know, uh, Paul or no George, then Paul, then John. It's kind of a cool little like bang, bang, bang. Three different songs that are all really, really good, but all totally different. Um, super interesting. Um, the next song is "Hello Goodbye," another uh, kind of poppy one, right? Dude, yeah, just swinging right back to Paul's like candy melodies and this one, but this one specifically is just like ultra pop, like just just pop like toppermost so the poppermost i think that's what they used to say um what do i have uh, about this one i mean this one's also just timeless dude like i'm pretty sure this one's been in like thousands of commercials like even if you don't know the beatles really like you've heard this song um oh absolutely it's it's beautiful uh my one of my most favorite things about this song is uh it um after Paul says, like, you know, he says his, like, duality is, like, you say hi, I say whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He goes, like, oh, oh, no. During that part, George has, like, this beautiful slide. It's, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So good. So, so good. good. Just so simple, but just, again, just, like, the feel, the taste, the timing. Like, the Beatles had it all. It just they are just perfect every every moment i'm a big fan boy so i apologize well i i am too dude you're in good company here i think i said i was gonna like be be challenging your hot take on this album and i (laughs) think i have done that zero times um so yeah fuck that i i love this album Uh, (laughs) um (laughs) um this this song struck me in my note here. I, I put that this reminds me of like a classic Beatles song, but like elevated. Like this one to me, if it had just been on like, you know, two acoustic guitars recorded in a, a you know, the little studio, uh, right? Like, you know, it could have been on an early Beatles record right next to like She Loves You or something. Cool, um, yeah. To me is like kind of how it sounds if you had kind of done it with that skiffle beat and the really simple instrumentation. Um it has like that vibe to me but then it's elevated with their new production methods like it's way more wet way more produced um and you know you get the kind of bridge where paul comes in why 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 do you say goodbye goodbye bye 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 and they put they put the delay on there right that's really good delay i mean that's so cool man that's so good um yeah like as popular as this song is and as pop as the song is like it's a fucking banger like production wise and like this the like the little idiosyncrasies of the song so let's jump back in yes because this next this next track uh i'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is my favorite track on the whole album Fuck yeah. Uh Strawberry Fields Forever. Uh what 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 do you think about this song? Dude, this was the first song I ever listened to the very first time I smoked weed. Oh fuck yeah. Like I was a you know, I was like a high schooler and I was like 
smoking weed, very afraid. And I was like feeling bad. And I was like, I should listen to something to help me feel better. And I chose this song. Um, I mean, it's a pretty grim song, but I mean, kind of, I don't know. I love this song, dude. This is, uh, this is probably the strongest song on the record. Um, this is, I know Paul McCartney says that this song is literally John Lennon. He's like, if there is one song that identifies John Lennon, it is this song. Um, yeah, it's just insane. Um, again, string arrangements like crazy, just, uh, it's a, it's a really good example of John likes to write songs that you could speak without music, you know, um, songs that like made sense if they were speaking as poetry or something. And I think this is one of those best examples of that style of writing that he liked. Um, another good one is across the universe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like if you listen to the song that way, it's also really amazing. And yeah, I, I would like to hear some of your opinions on this one, dude. Um, dude, this, like I said, I think this is my favorite song on the record and it's incredible. I actually remember the first time I heard this song too. I was not high, but I do remember the first time I listened to it and I was blown away. I'd never heard anything like this, you know, and yeah. kind of still haven't. Um, it has such a vibe to it and such an atmosphere. Um, again, kind of that dreamy vibe. And, and again, the, the lyrics, you know, the, the refrain they, they always go back to is, you know, nothing is real. Let me take you down to strawberry fields or let me take you down. Cause I'm going to strawberry fields. Nothing is real. Um, super interesting refrain and opens with the beautiful, mellotron when i whenever i tell people oh it's, this song would sound cool with a mellotron and they're like what's a mellotron i'm like strawberry fields forever oh okay yeah that's exactly <laughs> what that's it you know yeah for sure um, the mellotron flute on this and horns and like the strings and stuff and the way that they add those on with each verse and kind of build the song to this chaotic you know cacophony at, at sort of the climax of the song uh, is so cool and then they and then they you know let it fade out and then they fade it back in and it's like almost a totally different song you know it's like you can tell it evolved from the original song but it's like whoa like this went someplace like <laughs> yeah where definitely. are we now you know these tape loops and it's it's very uh out there um what how, how would you describe that part yeah dude super out there um it's the end part i used to like really despise when i was a kid i keep mentioning when i was a kid because like i like i grew up listening to pretty much only the beatles like entire discography um when did you like start listening to them literally like they're my earliest music memories so i like i've been listening to them like my entire life um wow so i i couldn't even say what age you know like literally like one <laughs> And um, I used to skip the end when I was young because, like, it's it's scary. It's it's weird and it's uh it's disastrous and apocalyptic and and um, yeah, it's just a, a testament to you know how much the Beatles didn't give a fuck. Um, they just they just made sounds and 
yeah, that's all I can really say about the end part, really. You you uh you mentioned that this song is a little bit grim. Uh why don't you speak on that real quick? Cool. Yeah, just um you know, just the word choice that John uses. All of John's songs have a very sarcastic or uh negative connotation to them. And um that's just the kind of guy he was. And um you know, like living is easy with eyes closed, misunderstanding all you see, like He's talking, I I don't know, you can read into it however the hell you want. Uh, It's getting harder to be someone, but it all works out. That's, you know, just like lines like this, like, uh, I'm a big lyrics guy as well as like a big sound, like sonic listener, you know? Um, So just like reading into the lyrics and like putting them into your own perspective is, is a, I think it can be pretty grim. Um. Yeah, and just like uh, he also has this specific line. He's like, he goes, "I think I know. I mean, a yes, but it's all wrong." Um, something like that. Yeah. And that line is like fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> he's like, right? It just uh, to me the way I read into it is like, in his own life, he just like has no fucking clue. You know, he's John right. Lennon. He's like the most famous rock star on the planet, and and he's just like, dude, I have no fucking clue what's going on, and. Like, I can't tell you either, you know, it just, it's like, wow, it's insane. Yeah. Like he's like second guessing himself or arguing with himself in the song, like right there. It's, it's crazy. It is a very creative line, like totally different than something Paul would write. Paul would come up with some like, you know, cute little couplet, nice little quip that would still probably get across the same idea just as well with like clever wordplay, but john just says it like in a very like literal sense he sits there and kind of hums and haws and second guesses himself and and you just immediately know what you're hearing when you hear that and it translates that same idea you know it's so interesting yeah just yeah john lennon's songwriting is very uh very unique one of a kind yeah oh yeah until kevin parker came along right Oh, dude, that guy's the fucking tits, man. Kevin Parker came along and just fucking stomped the music world. Like nobody can fucking compare to him. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm actually. I actually am a fan of. Okay, I. I do like the first two. <laughs> so obviously, I'm talking shit a little bit. Obviously, people are like, oh, he's he's just a John Lennon rip off. Like, damn it. Yeah. Uh, but like legitimately the first two Tame Impala records are actually pretty good. Dude, like, they're fucking awesome, man. They're so good. They're really good. That's that's my musical hot take. People like to shit on them, but I think their first two albums are incredible. And they even have some gems on their their newer stuff too. But dude, um, go yes, go listen to criticism. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, I was the uh, I was I was saying, yeah, the the criticism that he his vocal delivery uh is very John Lennon and that he draws a lot of his early sounds are like from this era of Beatles. Like, I think that's a really valid criticism, but he also does it really well. And I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like there's nothing wrong with being inspired by the Beatles. Like the entire world is, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, big whoop. Um, dude, go listen to why won't they talk to me off, uh, um, lonerism. Like that mm-hmm. song is just like, that's like one of the best songs ever written for me. I think that song is like top tier. Um, 
yeah, Tame's cool, but I also like to rip on Tame. I think it's fun. Yeah, they're very memeable. Anyways, um, this <laughs> one, uh, I want to bring up a topic that I teased earlier. Um, you mentioned this song is grim and, and that if you really read into the lyrics, there are some grim themes, and I agree with you. And there's actually a, a whole level of grimness, allegedly, to this songs if you, if you really read into the lyrics. Do you know what I'm oh, talking about? Some, like, fucking Paul is dead shit? That's right. Uh, Paul is dead <laughs> is one of the buzzwords. Oh, I was going to say, um, mention, mention pop, too. You, you mentioned that oh. at one point. It's pop music. So um, you, when you said, I think, uh, Hello Goodbye is, like, pop. Uh, yeah, dude. Anyways. Like, for sure, for sure. Um, so, yes. Use the phrase Paul is dead and mention pop music are both uh, buzzwords for you. <laughs> Dude, I <laughs> but, fucking love uh, the whole Paul is dead thing. Like, do you have anything to say about it? Yeah, I, I just have like a basic little intro. Uh, if the if the listeners don't know, Paul is dead was this theory that uh, or why, why don't you explain it? You're the guest. I want to hear you. explain. It. <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> I, I, I was uh, baiting you into that. I wanted to hear you uh, reintroduce me to the topic. I think it's funny. <laughs> but okay, yeah, Paul is dead. I don't dude, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I guess uh there was some kind of weird theory that like Paul like literally just fucking died like back in the like the height of the Beatles or whatever and and there's like all these clues in the songs and the artwork uh that like proves that he died and and uh at the end of the song uh it's it's the really chaotic stuff the looped tapes uh the reverse mastering you can hear john lennon say uh apparently it's supposed to say cranberry sauce but um people hear it as uh i killed paul i think i i buried paul i buried paul thank you yeah and is what people hear yeah, there's so it, this this theory runs deep. Like you should look into the you know the theory crafting. It's pretty fucking funny. Um, yeah, that's that's as much as I know about it. Yeah, it's it's there's a this is a huge rabbit hole, and this is one of those. If you like get on uh, YouTube and start watching videos <laughs> on it, like, you'll wind up like two hours later, like holy shit, Paul's dead. Like you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they provide so much evidence. I don't. I don't. I don't actually think it's real. I think it's BS. But like, you will sit there and they will pull up like every single Beatles album song photograph of them and just analyze the hell out of it and be like, see this, see this. Like, I buried Paul apparently at the end of this song, and then you know, there's this whole legend that Strawberry Fields was the name of the cemetery that they buried him at. So right. John, John saying, you know, let me take you down. I'm going to Strawberry Fields. It's like he's going either to bury Paul there or to like visit him mm-hmm. and then no- nothing is real is like their admission. Like, you know, Hey, we buried Paul. He's in the cemetery. Like none of this is real, you know? And, like, <laughs> um, and then there was like a picture of them or the album cover to this album. John is wearing a walrus costume and he's standing like over Paul or something. And then people, have he's said actually that the at the, walrus, yeah, yeah. Or he's in front Sorry. of him or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's apparently the walrus is like like a symbol of death in some cultures. So they're saying like the the walrus like like Paul is dead basically. And then later on the White Album, John sings, "Here's yeah. another clue for you all: the walrus, walrus was, was Paul. Paul on Glass Onion." Yeah, and so he's he's like intentionally 
like the Beatles were aware of the rumor and I think yeah. John intentionally was like messing with people. <laughs> and dude, don't you think like that's so funny because you know, like uh like modern day stars like are aware of their memes, like just because we have the internet, like unlimited connection. But like back then, like I wonder like how they figured out about the theory, like who brought it up to them and and it's just so funny dude it's so interesting and i I love how they're just like playing into it and like giving people more like little scraps to fucking analyze and so funny yeah it's ridiculous man and the the whole like day in the life is supposed to be like the very blatant admission of of paul's death and stuff and then part of it too is like they said that um like because okay so if paul was dead like who the fuck was that on all these albums and who was in wings and who like, you know what I mean? Well, the theory or they say that Paul died in 1966. So right after like revolver, but before Sergeant peppers and they, so the Beatles held a, like a lookalike contest, <laughs> <laughs> which this is apparently real. Like apparently yeah. at some point the Beatles, or it was like a radio station in the UK. Like it wasn't sanctioned by the Beatles. Like okay. some, it was like a radio station or something put out like a, you know, Beatles look alike. Like if you think you look the most like the Beatles come out and we're going to choose the guys who look most like the four Beatles and we're going to give you a prize or whatever, you know? And so the legend goes that the Beatles like actually were like watching that. Like it was like secretly sanctioned by the Beatles, like <laughs> behind the scenes. And they went and found the guy who looked most like Paul. And they were like, Hey, like Paul McCartney's dead. Do you want to be Paul McCartney? <laughs> <laughs> imagine how fucking funny that would be how crazy that would be and the craziest part about that is like whoever that guy was <laughs> was like maybe a better songwriter than the original paul mccartney so like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude and they like uh i really like uh they call him fall like with an f you know fall like, yeah like he's the fake paul like, yeah or like faux paul <laughs> Oh, I've never, I've never seen that. That's really so funny. fucking funny, dude. If you ever like comment on Beatles shit like anywhere, like you should write "fall" and like watch the chaos ensue. <laughs> so nice funny. Fall. Oh, that's so funny. That's awesome, though. Um, yeah, I love anyways. that shit. <laughs> uh, the next one, the next song, uh, is Penny Lane. Uh, what, what do you think about Penny Lane? Mm. Dude, it's a good one. Um, I so I love the instrumentation more than anything. Um, this one is like one of their biggest, biggest like mega hits, right? If I'm not mistaken, I believe so. Like yeah. even your average non-Beatles fan like kind of knows this song. Um, maybe not to the degree of Strawberry Fields, but like up there. Um, yeah, I mean, I love this song, dude. No problems with it. Um just let's see i um i was reading about the uh the piccolo trumpet solo you know the very the very distinct famous um the like high horn that's going on during the it's got a solo during the what part does it come after you know it's like um, yeah 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 it's uh really fucking beautiful um what else yeah just a typical paul mccartney tune like super sweet really beautiful uh very harmonic lots of melody 
and uh, yeah, he's just like talking about a an average day on Penny Lane, and uh, all the people he sees, the characters, and yeah, I, I don't have too much uh, strong commentary on this one. I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Like it's, it is. Yeah, it's it it is. It's it's that same kind of simple Paul McCartney sing song melody. Um, it is a super famous one, but it's this one for me. Like I like it, but it this one almost becomes like a little too Paul McCartney for me at times. I, I see know. that. It's like a little too cute, you know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I I agree, but that's the reason why I like Paul is uh right. he's just like so unashamed of of his sappiness and his like right. sweet love songs. Um, I respect that to the utmost especially because it's so fucking hard to write like that. Like, like tell me you can write a song like that. Oh no, Um, that's like it. Listen, if I could crank out like sappy, cute Paul McCartney songs, I would be cranking out sappy, cute Paul McCartney songs. And like, yeah, like obviously that's (laughs) not an easy thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. And, and he just, yeah, he just, he's basically just like stunting on this song. Like, you know, like I'm Paul McCartney, like this is what I do. Um, Yeah. Yeah, man, it's a good one, but I'm I'm okay moving past it unless you have some other uh, points that you want to point out about it. No, I'm I'm happy with that one. Cool. Um, next one is "Baby, You're a Rich Man." What oh, do you think about this one. Fuck yeah, dude! This is uh one of my high sleeper picks ever for the Beatles. I think. Nice. Let's hear about it. Yeah, I think this song is like probably in their like top fifteen songs. This song is fucking Dang. awesome, dude. Um, and I'm interested. To, I'm like a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little. I was gonna say I'm a little surprised to hear that. That this one is like, like it's cool, but it, this one like has never really stood out to me. Um, I but I, I'm like excited to hear your take on it. Like, I wonder if this one will will grow on me. You know. Cool. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, like, check out this song. I, I know you have, but you know, like, after this, um. Dude, the, listen to the bass tone right at the open. It's so fucking dirty. It's so good. Um, they use the like clev- clavioline on this song. It's yeah, like the yeah. it's like going crazy all over the place. Um, yeah. Just I I always loved that sound as a kid and now um, and it's got that like I think it's like tuned on the Eastern music scale. Like it hits all those semitones and stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm just bullshitting. Right. That's um, what it sounded like to me. I didn't uh, get that far into it, but I did have to Google like what the hell instrument was that because yeah. I, I have it written here in my notes too. I was like, "What the hell was that?" Like, I didn't <laughs> actually, look that up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a sick little synthesizer, pre-synthesizer, like thing that came before the synthesizer or whatever. Um, yeah, man. Okay, this is like uh, for me a prime example of the john paul mixture like john this is a john song essentially the verse uh the main lyrics and then paul wrote the chorus because uh john didn't have anything for it and very typical you know like john said oh like paul's chorus fucking sucks but um you know they went along with it anyway and it's so good yeah it's it's yeah, yeah I, was, I was gonna say it's it's um like I had not I didn't actually know that this was a John and Paul joint like uh, I same thing I read that while researching this album that it was Paul on the chorus and John on the verse and now that I've heard that it so makes sense like right? you can it's totally like hear now. the 
the lyrical styles and almost even the chord structure is like so blatantly different. Like John's is a little more groovy and kind of a little more dynamic. And then Paul's part is just very simple driving. Right. Yes. And, and the lyrics too, it's like, Paul comes in like, baby, you're a rich man. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, uh, keep all your money in a big brown bag inside a zoo. It's like, that's such like a, uh-huh. oh paul like you know like <laughs> yeah dude like oh oh paul you're so goofy <laughs> like you know like, <laughs> whereas like john's stuff it's like so like how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people like it that's such a snide like interesting like kind of sarcastic thing to say to so it's like you could mean it as a compliment or you could mean it as like oh look at you you're one of the and look at you you're one of the beautiful people huh like it's like it's such a john like sentiment now it's yes. like damn it it's really obvious now that geez yeah it's wild yeah man and that's what i love too it's like it's so blatant but it's so like you could totally fly under the radar if you're really not like looking out for it um just like uh, to me it's like a another tack in the wall on their like their pure genius um yeah the the lyrics on john's part are just insane um you know he's like uh, what is, how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people and have you traveled very far? And it's a, it's a call. It's a, a, uh, what is it? What do you say? A call and call and respond. Call and respond. Yeah. Yeah. He, he says like, and have you traveled very far? The answer is far as the eye can see. Like, uh, it, it, go listen <laughs> to the song and, and you'll, you know, you'll, I'm talking to the, the listener. Like you'll hear the, the, the purpose of it, but it's so snarky and it's so uh, satirical and it's fucking awesome. The the lyrics on this song are so dope. That's awesome. I'm going to yeah. have to yeah, I'm going to have to revisit this one. For sure. Um all, all of the recordings of the instruments are beautiful. Like the the track itself is mixed perfectly in my opinion. Um Yeah, uh, I guess some a little bit more background about the context of the lyrics. He uh there's a couple interpretations, but a one that I really like is the beautiful people are supposed to be like, I guess the hippies of the sixties. And, um, mm. he's, he's kind of like poking fun at them, you know, like, Oh, like, and he would traveled very far. And their response is like, Oh, just as far as I can see, you know, like they, they're kind of just like, uh, maybe just some of the hippies are, you know, like Sunday drivers as they, as they yeah. say on, uh, day tripper, on day tripper. There you go. Um, thank you, John, dude. You're fucking right there for me, brother. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude, I'm a I'm a Beatles freak, bro. Sick, dude. We're going to have to fucking wrestle or something. I know. We should. <laughs> Damn. Next time I'm up in the East Bay area, bro, I'll hit you up. All I'll right. bring the baby lotion. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Loser can, uh, I don't know, fucking whatever. Snort a pickle shot? Yeah, and, and 10 gutter shots or whatever. Fucking in a walrus costume there you go all right um (laughs) dude the final song on this record is an anthem yep like the final song you could go to i i bet you could go to any major city on earth and pick 10 random people out of the crowd and i bet you like two of them could recite the the chorus to this maybe more could recite the chorus to this song what do you, do you agree with that dude i think you're like undershooting a little bit 
really (laughs) (laughs) actually for real like probably more like five probably all of them would know it like realistically in a big city like (laughs) who wouldn't know this song yeah dude a thousand percent like the song (laughs) is all you need is love i introed it for you yeah um yeah man what you said is totally true everybody knows this song and the what i think a lot of people maybe don't know especially Americans is the intro is the British like national anthem. Right. The, oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I guess I did know that. Yeah. Um, it's really fucking funny. Uh, the Beatles are filled with just like these stabs that or I, I don't know if it's a stab, maybe not, but I, I kind of, yeah, it's kind of a, like, I know what you mean. It's like not a, not an attack, but it's a small, it's a little, uh, like wink or a little kind of, uh, you know, little little small jab or a little ribbing. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, this, the song speaks for itself, dude. Like, and again, it's, it's like a Lennon driven song. He's on the vocals. Um, and again, the same lyrical style as like baby a rich man. Like there's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. It, it's, dude, I said it over and over, but I think it's genius. Yeah, it's it has that kind of like recursive quality to it, but it's Lennon's way of sort of like, yeah, like showing the satire or the, uh, like the contradictory nature of some of those statements. Like he contradicts himself just by repeating the word essentially. So you see the two meanings of it, it it's very clever and it's it is that kind of snarky john lennon little wink to the to the listener you know he's poking fun at society but not really like you know raking their feet across the coals you know yeah for sure um have you ever noticed that this song is in seven four no way i Notice that again, literally on the listen right before this episode. Um, Holy fuck, it is. I just counted uh, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to try and count it out, but I think I'm a little too, uh, a little too iry right now to do that. Because um, oh. it's like, one, uh, there's nothing you can do that can't be done to, th- uh, no, because it'd be nothing you can do that can't be done, five, six, seven. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung, six, seven. But it's like they're, they drop a, uh, quarter note yeah dude that's fucking yeah. gnarly that's so dope yeah and it gives it this very like free form kind of flowing feel it's like another little punch at the you know obviously the the british national anthem is this you know very structured kind of regal almost military march royal march you know yeah and this song starts with that and it has that you know ringo's just hitting the I guess not Ringo at first, but the piano is very much hitting the quarter notes. It's this almost like a march or a procession, but then they drop the quarter note and just go into the next line a quarter note early. It gives it this like preform, like, yeah, we're marching, but maybe we don't really know how to march and we're kind of missing the beat. Uh, but like, here's our parody of it almost, you know? For sure, dude. And a thing about 7-4 is like, it's so difficult. Like you can, you know, you can like structure out a song in 7-4, I guess, like, with reasonable ease i guess but to make it sound like it's not uh like musically repetitive is so difficult and even though this song is like so blatantly repetitive with the lyrics um you know i never would have known that it was seven four if i hadn't heard from somebody else or like actively counted it out yeah it's i i've listened to this song like 
literally in the in the triple digits, maybe even four digits. How many times I've listened to this song? Wow! And it was literally today that I I I uh, picked up on that. I was like, wait, he's coming in early. Let me count this. Okay, there's a bar of four. Oh, and then he does three, and they come in. Oh, it's like in seven. Oh, interesting. It's it's very. I, I literally noticed it today for the first time. So nuts, dude. Yeah. And it's uh it's you're right, it's so crazy to be able to just slip that in there and no one even knows. Like how many super well known songs like that are in seven four, right? Yeah, just like time. I mean uh money by Pink Floyd. That's probably the only one I can also think of. Yeah, and good catch too, that is seven four, not seven eight. So that's you're actually one hundred percent correct. Yeah. Um a lot of people call that seven eight. It's actually seven four. Um, probably rookies. some drummer is gonna hit me up and be like, "Fuck you!" No, I don't. Know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. Um, fuck that guy. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, or gal. We or gal person. Anyway, I always say, ladies, gentlemen, and everybody in between. So uh, your intro is is good. I appreciate. Thank you, thank you. It's like like meant to be a little bit funny, but it's also serious. So it's like kind yeah. of a John Lennon thing. Of course. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm like as good as John Lennon, but like, uh, you know, maybe. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just you know, I mean, okay. if you beat me in the wrestling match, then I would. Uh, I would. And I get to say that all I'm John Lennon, and you can support that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a trash fucking thing to fight about. I know, shit. He was, dude. Uh, John Lennon is canceled, bro. John Lennon was not a good guy. Let's make something clear. Dude, yes, okay. None of these guys, even Paul was kind of a shitty guy. Like we're we're like, okay, we've been here like sucking off the Beatles. One I think it's important to say, like, we need to separate the men from the music here. Like we Yeah. We we do not support their actions off the stage. We'll, we'll put it that way. For sure, dude. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. I agree. John Lennon was kind of a dickhole, or 100% was a dickhole. Um, he was, dude. Canceled? I don't know, man. Cancel culture? Hmm. I know you guys talked about this before, but dude, they say that uh, they say that millennials created cancel culture, but I, I think white folk created cancel culture, dude. You know about Athenian? That's like a white guilt kind of thing, dude. Athenian ostracism. That's What's that. That's cancel culture, dude. To be ostracized in like the what is it like the polis or like the city state of, of oh. athens oh yeah ostracism dude they like they were like oh we don't like you so you can't live here for 10 years like you have to leave we don't support you have you. to like not show your face in public dude that's but, yeah 10 years later you can culture. come back and do your uh you can come back after 10 years and do your netflix uh like stand-up special and now you're back yeah um dude yeah that's true i mean cancel culture that's like a new term but i don't think it's a new phenomenon you know i think that's always been kind of a thing is uh you know and and whether you want to call it a a good thing or a bad thing or whatever i think it's always been a thing i don't think that's anything new you're right athenian ostracism that's actually a very good point i like that thanks man um what were we talking about? I, let's just wrap up. All you need is love. I, I guess I have like all you need is love. <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted to point out too. You mentioned on strawberry or uh, 
I'm the Walrus, they reference other Beatles tunes. Uh, during the outro, the kind of chaotic outro, this one, you hear one of the guys singing, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I believe you can hear one of them say the word yesterday. Dude, John uh, says yesterday, yes. He says it very sarcastically. Um, right. It, he, he like delivers it kind of the same way, but in that goofy kind of, same as like, she loves you, yeah. It's, it almost sounds like somebody like drunkenly like doing uh, it. <laughs> Like in in the bathroom somewhere, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, but, and also just the history of like John really not liking yesterday, especially because of like how popular it got. Oh yeah, that's right. Wait, I didn't even think of that. Is that he was like lampooning Paul? <laughs> yeah, like blatantly. Um, let me ask you this real quick. Because speaking of these guys's uh, kind of beef with each other. Have you ever listened to the version of their last album, uh, which was Naked? Let it be. Yes, Let It Be Naked. Have you listened to that? Yeah, dude. Oh yes. Okay, I was like trying to figure out a way to bring this up with you. Okay. Uh, so I kind of shoehorned it in there, but dude, can we do a quick aside? Describe for the viewers or listeners what Let It Be Naked is. Fuck. You know, it's actually been a, a minute since I've sat down with it and really listened to it but from what i remember naked is like there's um there's little snippets uh before and after the songs uh, and maybe there are also alternate takes um where you can hear it's the a, beatles like chatting yeah 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 right yeah there's like the little right there's little studio outtakes where you can hear them talking to each other and then the alternate it's it's actually an alternate mix okay and master that was done i just smacked the microphone um (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that uh the the um like so phil Spector produced this album okay which was one of the reasons that paul quit the band because he fucking hated phil Spector and his production style um and and so paul like somewhat recently i think in like the early thousands like somehow got a hold of the original like studio like the isolated tracks not just like the original master tapes but like literally the isolated tracks and he went and he got permission from ringo and then the families of john and george and did a whole new mix and like took out all of phil Spector's shit oh that's that like it's like what paul like wanted that album to sound like essentially whoa fuck dude that's sick i think that makes so much sense because I grew up listening to that version of Two of Us, the opening song. Um, okay. And that's one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. And um, that version, as opposed to the studio version, is it has a slightly different... Um, I don't know what's different about it right now. I think I'm a little bit too tipsy. But it's, it, I think it's better. The alternate take is better. Or a mix or something. It's I, yeah, I, I agree, man. It's it's uh, I like it way better. Like for me, the biggest one is the long and winding road. Mm. Like the uh, the Paul McCartney mix of that versus Phil Spector's took that song from like a like bottom tier Beatles song for me into like top tier. Wow, just the different mix. Yeah, it went from a very cringy kind of like croony ballad to like something really like haunting and beautiful yeah production of it dude i actually know a bit about that yeah i won't dive into it too much um 
but yeah, I that's I'll, all right. also like that's not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but yeah. Anyway, I may cut this whole conversation out. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. a little off topic, but maybe maybe I'll leave it in. Who knows? Sick. Um. So, dude, that's all the songs. Yeah. Uh, you have anything else you want to say about the album as a whole before we jump into our rapid fire questions? Sure. I'll just like uh, summarize it really quick. Like, uh, you know, a little conclusion to reinstate my thesis. Um, the album is good. There's a lot of great songs. Um, there's a lot of standout songs that are very famous. And there's a lot of zero songs that are zero famous. And I think this album deserves like some more listens. I think it's highly underrated. It's fucking good. I agree with all of that, dude. Um, well said. Let's jump into the rapid fire questions. You ready? I'm ready. Favorite track? Baby, you're a rich man. Least favorite track? Flying. How should someone listen to this album for the first time? By yourself in a quiet room. Uh, have you ever listened to this album under the influence? Yes. And you can plead the fifth, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, what were they under the influence of when making this album? You can be literal and historic or uh, philosophical. Uh, some Lucy in the Sky. Probably some... With diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> probably some herbs that Bob Dylan gave them. And... <laughs> Just fucking, I don't know, man. Like maybe some salt and some, like, some disillusionment with fame. I don't know. Some crazy a, stuff. A, some, some of the dish best served cold, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> some transcendental meditation with Maharishi, right? Oh fuck, man. <laughs> Dude, really quick okay. on that. Or should yeah, we yeah, can skip? Yeah. Go, no, 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 go. Sexy go Sadie it. is. Originally, like Maharishi, that song is about him. It's really yeah. It's supposed to go like Maharishi, what have you done? Yeah, listen to the song. <laughs> now that you know that, <laughs> fucking crazy. No way. <laughs> Insanity. Oh my. Okay. All right. I'm. I'm okay. That's funny. <laughs> I'm, gonna have to look, I'm gonna fix that now. Um. Oh, this is a great next question. Uh, would you get intimate to this album? Nah, man. This album's for me, dog. Nice. So you would like jack off to the album? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, moving on. Uh, if this album were a beer, what kind of beer would it be? Oduls. Oduls. A non-alcoholic beer? Yeah, dude. How do you figure... That's my rapid fire answer. All right, I respect it. I respect that. Um, are are numbers created or discovered? Dude, created. Yeah, lay it on me, dude. Like, dude, come on. Like numbers. I are... I, I kind of agree with you, but but what? <laughs> give me give me a little something on that. You know, like, all right, so. I'm going to like quote my, I guess, high school English teacher, but like he kind of asked us a similar question and I was like, you know, like things work, but like, it's all like approximations. Like, like none of it's like really real. 
like we got we're like we're pretty no, lucky that real. it works yeah exactly nothing is real dude it's it's just like all approximations like and we're like pr- really close but like also like numbers are just fucking stupid yeah like, like how like uh one third times three doesn't really equal one it's like nine 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 yeah did like it, even that though one. it's just like so fabricated it's just bullshit like, yeah like why don't you just, just like go have bullshit. fun like just go have fun like why are you thinking about numbers like, that's the wiseness of the fool on the hill man he doesn't buy into <laughs> any of that bullshit he's just hanging out on the hill yeah dude <laughs> smartest man in the world right there chooses not to partake in the bullshit and just just hangs out all day hangs out on the hill he, he figured it out <laughs> it's probably what i'm doing right after this go hang out on a hill damn that sounds nice <laughs> um does a man with one lung get more or less high off of one bong rip Yeah, he probably gets more high, like, probably already has trouble breathing, you know, so then, like, breathes in and, like, he's coughing, and then, I don't know, just, like, weed all over his lungs. I like it. I like it. Dude, um, those are my rapid-fire questions. Sick. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. <laughs> um, let's move on now to the trivia questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's time for trivia. Fuck, this is going to be difficult. Some of them. You've actually already said the answer to a couple of them, so some of them cool. are easier than you think. Um, what year did the album come out? 67. 67, yes. What Shakespeare play does the radio land on for the outro of I am the walrus? You know, when there's the radios coming in and out um, at the, during the outro. Yeah. You know what I'm about? Uh, I think it's at the very, yeah, I, I think it's King Lear. Yes, it is. Fuck yeah. That's why I said, I'm impressed. You picked up on the Shakespeare in there. <laughs> yeah, dude, big brain. That's big brain right there. That's true. <laughs> uh, next question. Where was the album recorded? Oh fuck! It was um, uh, it was actually recorded outside of EMI. Um, yeah. Fuck. It was like somewhere in London. I don't know, dude. Yeah. I'll take the drink. It's uh well, I, this one was kind of a weird one, uh, because the title track was recorded at EMI. Okay. It was recorded like kind of before the rest of the album. Right. And then it said that the rest had been recorded at Chapel Studios in London. Hmm. But I also read that, uh, like, well, I can't say which songs because it's another question, but I had read that some of the songs uh, were, like, recorded at Olympic Studio and then added on. But I can't really say much more because it's another question on here for you. So Okay. <laughs> that one was, like, a weird one. I'll, I'm going to take a drink for even asking you that because it's kind of, like, that's, like, I don't know. Cool. I would have accepted any single one of those studios. So right on. A little bit of a fucked up question, though. Okay. Oh, here's a really fucked up question. What is the state motto of California? Oh, it's fucking Eureka. I have found it. Yes, that's right. That's right, man. <laughs> I threw that on there hoping to trap you, but you you got that. The last dude, I was like, what is the capital of Arizona? And he nailed it. <laughs> oh shit! What is it? 
Phoenix. Phoenix, duh. God damn it. Phoenix. Um, I'm. I think I'm gonna do this from now on. Is put a random like geography question in there. Yeah, that's good. We should really know more <laughs> about U.S. geography, and we don't. We should, man. I agree with that. Um, next question: Which songs were not included on the original British release of oh. the record? Dude, good but question. Then they included them for the U.S. LP. Fuck. Um, I think it is. Uh, it's flying. And baby, you're a rich man. I don't even know, dude. Lay it on me. Um. You got one of the three, actually. Um, it was Penny Lane, Baby, You're a Rich Man, and All You Need Is Love, funny enough. Wow. Yeah, some seminal classics. Probably the most popular or most well-known song on the album, and then your favorite song on the record would have been left off on the original British pressing. Damn, Crazy. Would have been a fucking shame. I know. That's wild to me, but whatever. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> dude they got to release those three songs as singles and make money off of them and then put them on this album and made more money off of them like these yeah dude the record uh, company like was just they didn't give a fuck no dude they were they were just worshiping the cash cow that is the Beatles, you know yeah all right final trivia question for you i already heard you say this in the uh in the program but I'm hoping you're too drunk now and you forgot it. Uh, <laughs> what is Ringo's real name? Dude, Richard Starkey. That's right. Sir Richard Starkey. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Good shit. Yeah, dude. Well, that's it, man. You uh, you passed that trivia with flying colors, man. That was awesome. Cheers. Um, cheers to that, man. Y'all take a, a swig right here. I don't know what else you have lined up, but I can guess a buzzword right now. Yeah, go for it. Rick and Backer. Uh, mention a specific guitar was one of the buzzwords. So if, yes, like if you had said Rick and Backer, I would have hit you. In fact, I'm just realizing I have a typo on my bingo sheet because I recycled them. I actually put mention a specific guitar on there twice. So uh, you were actually working with only 19 buzzwords today. So I think I need to take a, an extra drink for that. Oh, shit. Yeah, you do. All right. Boom. Uh, while we're on the subject, do you want to hear what the buzzwords are for the week? Yeah, man. Dope. Uh, first one was, say something is the best or greatest ever. I was hoping you would say the Beatles are the best band ever or something along those lines. Uh, you did not get. So just use like a hyperbole like that. Whoa. I thought um, I did, but cool i'm glad i didn't you like were very measured in your praise of them like you called this album the be- i don't even know if you called this the best beatles album i think you just said it was like the most slept on deserved more praise you were very articulate and very like careful in what you said i liked that sick appreciate it uh this next one you did get though and it was using an onomatopoeia um, have to you have to yeah it's that's a that's a good one to use. Um, next one you uh, you narrowly missed. Talk about your middle school music taste. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I should have. I think it would have brought more cred. Yeah. Well, 
Well, okay, I've revealed it to you now, so you don't have to drink. But what? Who? Who uh, did you listen to in in middle school? Dude, I was a fucking like asking Alexandria, like Devil Wears Prada, fucking oh, yeah. Slipknot. Like I was, <laughs> I was in there, dude. That and I also listened to a lot of Seal. Really big fucking Seal fan. Seal. Yeah. What? Oh, interesting. Dude, that's really interesting. If you ever need a seal record on the show, I would gladly come back and talk about a seal record. Dude, I'm almost like down to do that. What's his like famous song that I would for sure know? It's uh Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose. There it is. Um I think that's the only seal that I know. It's the, really that's interested. that's the only seal long seal song that like like five million people know i i like (laughs) listen to like all his records like front to back i I really know his music really yeah is kiss from a rose like an outlier like is that a weird song for him or or is all this stuff pretty like that no dude he's so fucking good he's an extremely creative artist like has all different styles of music he would blow your mind I'll have to check that out, man. Cause I've had a couple like weird experiences like that. Like I had a buddy who showed me uh like my first buddy to show me Beck. Oh. Like to actually dive in and listen to an entire Beck album. I was like, oh damn, Beck's really good. Um, but like a lot of people don't really know Beck. They know like maybe two songs by him. Yeah. That's it. But he has like a really interesting catalog of music. Sick. Yeah. I think Seal's the like in the exact same vein as that. That's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, Next buzzword. You came really close. Uh, it's say experimental. Hmm. Uh, so you said that they were like experimenting, but since you used it as like a verb instead of an adjective, I did not count it. I wow. think that was a fine use of that word. Yeah. So much grace. Well, I- <laughs> part of it is like, you know, some of these are supposed to just be like, what? like schlocky term are you going to use to it's like yeah like describe the music as like experimental you know some of them are landmines some of them are like if you use this trope to describe music i'm gonna hit you like you know cool so you didn't you didn't fit the spirit of the law you know it wasn't (laughs) you didn't use it in that way um mention a specific guitar is on there twice and that was my fuck i'm gonna drink again for that it's on there twice i'm gonna drink twice cool wow honest man here Yep. Well, I'm a survivor, man. We're a dying breed. <laughs> Chivalry is fucking dead. <laughs> um, mention a band you used to be in. You got Rabbit Foot, All Hail, Lord Bunny, yeah. by the way. Dude, yeah, I miss him. Too bad he died. He's dead now. <laughs> died from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck (laughs) dude we're gonna have to like post that on the on the facebook page or something (laughs) like where are they now you know like like five years later where are they now uh lord he died from covid Uh, that's it (laughs) and he had the vaccine (laughs) he got vaxxed and he still died from it Uh, he took all the <laughs> vaccines and died after being infected with COVID. 
Yeah, it's well, that's why you need two shots. The first one gives it to you, the second one cures it. So if you take the third one, you're back into having it. It like, cancels out. It's like, <laughs> he just landed on an odd number of vaccines. Oh, fuck. <laughs> wow. Uh, d- disclaimer <laughs> neither of us are doctors or scientists. <laughs> we, we're not giving you medical advice. This is not financial <laughs> advice. Oh, fuck. Um, Okay, uh, the next one is the Paul is dead thing. You got that. Uh, Use the phrase ahead of its time you did not get. I was hoping you'd say it, but uh, mention pop you got. Yes. Uh, Call something cliche or overrated. And I don't think you used over those either of those terms. Hmm. I think you said like something. I feel like you like expressed that, but you didn't use those words for it. Yeah. Found a better way to say it. I think so. Um, say the word drink. You probably said, did you say the word drink on this thing? Yeah, I said, I don't drink. <laughs> Which oh, I Oh, that's right. No, I don't drink, he says, as he swigs his wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, mention the Beach Boys. I tried to bait you into You did not oh, get. Yeah, um, too smart. Mention a Beatles solo project. You mentioned Wings. Um, talk about jazz. You did not get. I was hoping you would uh, mention the jazzy outro on the title track. Um, oh <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But that's all right. Um, was that? I I actually did want to mention uh, Billy Preston, but it didn't like really come up uh, naturally. Oh at all. well, let's let's we'll we'll tack it on if you just want to talk about him sure i mean because you mentioned the fifth beetle and i was like oh like george martin but also like billy preston is highly regarded as mm-hmm. one of the fifth beetles just yeah i mean you know in his uh his whole jazz legacy and stuff and yeah he's fucking sick yeah yeah it's pretty cool um yeah i'm glad we could mention mention that in here just real quick but mm-hmm um next one is say mainstream i don't think you said mainstream you did say pop um but i don't think you ever said mainstream but then uh the next one is mention george martin you got uh this next one i was really baiting you at a couple different times and i think you spotted it i think i could tell you were kind (laughs) of in on this but uh say psychedelic oh yeah dude for sure for sure yeah, I I was really trying to get you a couple times, and and you like narrowly of you you were saying like it was out there or like you know you were <laughs> using like terms like I don't know. Could you tell I was trying to get you to say that because I was like I almost thought like oh he must know. No, you know I wasn't uh, I wasn't too caught up on that. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Well, damn. Good job. Um, talk about India you got, and then recite lyrics, of course. That's a that's a gimme right there. Yeah, dude, good selection of words, man. Too bad I didn't hit more of them. I know, man. You were you were good. I I almost want to start making these like thirty instead of twenty because I feel like I'm always so close. Oh, uh, yeah. To like what people say, but maybe I should just be baiting people way harder. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, you wound up with a grand total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven <clears throat> total. Uh, so more than half, dude. Pretty good. Average. I'll accept it. <laughs> well nice dude um that's all i got for you man um 
I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this really cool album that, you know, I also think is a very underrated Beatles album and uh, well worth a listen. Um, that's all we got, man. Once again, um, where can people find you? Or do you, you said you were making music, but not really like showing it off. Do you have like any music posted somewhere? People could go see it. Dude, I have like, like a couple clips on IG, but I'm, I'm working on that. Um, I just need to get some like recording gear and, and then I'll, I'll release some stuff. And, um, when I do, I'll spread it on my Instagram or whatever. So if you want to stay tuned for that, I guess you can follow me at Pierce the Kiki, but don't, uh, nice. don't fucking put money down on it. <laughs> well, that's all right, dude. That's cool. Um, yeah. Ricardo, thank you very much. I'm once again, Delta Dagger music on Instagram, John Paglisotti, and uh, good night, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Thanks for having me, dog. Defining Records production. 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 production.